Hello everyone, welcome or welcome back to another episode of In Bloom Podcast. My name is Abby Aslan and I'm the host of this podcast and this week we are going to be diving into the quarterly Q&A episode. I really like doing these episodes from time to time, especially quarterly because I just feel like it's the perfect amount to not be too much but also just be just enough to have those more personal episodes and get to interact with you all more and answer your questions and if you didn't listen to last week's episode or if you don't follow me on my personal instagram i posted on my personal instagram which is just at abby period aslan it's always in the show notes and asked for you all to ask some questions and i answered some of them on my instagram story as well and i saved those to a q a highlight on my highlights so if you're ever like wondering something about me or something that you think may be like a frequently asked question and you want to know the answer to it, you can definitely go to that highlight on my personal Instagram page because I save all of like the Q&A responses that I do there. And I had y'all ask some questions. I did answer some of my personal Instagram. So on here, I'm going to be answering some of the other ones. I unfortunately cannot get to all of them. And I really try to focus on the questions that I haven't really answered before. Some questions I answer more than once, but I typically only do that because if the answer has changed basically like if somebody asked something you know a year ago or maybe even six months ago and I feel differently about it now or you know maybe I have more of a well thought out response I guess and just more insight into how I feel about something then I'll answer the question again but I don't want to just be a broken record saying the same thing over and over again if you know what I mean so I am excited to just connect with y'all and have a lighthearted Q&A episode. And some of these are going to be kind of advice-based. Some of these are really just me answering questions you all have about me in general. And I like that, you know, I get a good mix of those types of questions because it provides some variety and it's not just me sitting here talking about myself the whole time. Like a lot of times Q&As can kind of be that way. And it's not usually intentional. It's just based on what people are asking. You know what I mean? So I am going to share those questions with you all today. And also I had some of y'all DM me on the podcast Instagram because I said if you have like a longer question that you want to ask to just DM the podcast Instagram. So we'll try to get to those as well. And thank you all so much for asking questions because without you all asking questions, we would not be having an episode today. So thank you for that. But before we get started, I do want to get into the quote goal and gratitude for this week's episode this week my quote comes from tumblr because i got on tumblr for the first time in like probably two months or something today and i love tumblr because it's just like so quiet you know like there's no chaos i feel like on tumblr and i guess it kind of depends on who you follow and what you follow and everything but i just i genuinely don't personally know anybody or follow anybody that i know in real life that gets on tumblr so I feel like it's just, and I just like that there's not really words, or if there are words, it's just very, I don't know, it's never anything like stressful, I guess, where I feel like other social media, like sometimes I'll be scrolling on TikTok and something comes up about inflation and then all of a sudden I'm stressing about the price of everything and it's like, okay, I wasn't coming to TikTok for this, but it just happens, you know what I mean? Like against your own will, because it's like your 40 page just kind of happens to you in a way. So I don't know. I just like Tumblr for that reason. But anyways, the quote for this week is a lot of growth is unlearning the ways you existed before you were yourself. And I love this quote for a number of reasons. I do want to say that unlearning is a little bit of a strong word to use in this context, but 
I think more so it's about accepting the ways you existed before you like truly found the things that, you know, make you yourself and making changes because I don't, unlearning for some things. Yes, of course. But, you know, things that you've, you know, maybe once thought were okay or right. And then you unlearn them and you're like, okay, that's not, you know, how I believe things should be or whatever. In some contexts, unlearning is the right word. In other contexts, you know, it's really more so about learning to accept yourself and make changes where you, you know, feel you need to make changes. But I just really like this quote because I think that there are so many ways that I have functioned. And when I read this quote, I thought of this specifically. So it's more of the accepting and making a change type of context. And it's just what I thought of and what came to mind when I first read this quote. But I really have had this revelation recently that I am a, I don't really know how to phrase this, but I really struggle with functioning in normal situations. Let me explain. I can only, actually, I'm not going to say that because that's a limiting statement. I feel as though I can only function at my best and do my best and get the most done in high stress environments and situations. And I had that revelation recently and I did not like it because that just tells me that I might have a little bit of an addiction to stress and the fight or flight kind of feeling. But I think that that's because I've operated from that state for so, so long. Because when things are not chaotic, stressful, and busy, I kind of just freeze and I have a really hard time getting things done, focusing, and all of that stuff. Whereas normally I feel like when people aren't super busy and they have the time to take their time on things, that's what they do. You know, they they get... They're able to focus and get things done because they're not working under the constraint of time or pressure. I think that a lot of things factor into this for me. I think a very big part of it is because of the nature of my full-time job as a CPA at a big four firm. You kind of are groomed in a way to function best in high stress scenarios and get the most work done in high stress scenarios. The nature of the job is busy season and not busy season. So you have where your life revolves around work for majority of the year and then you have a like anywhere from 2 to 4 months of the year where you're just not really very busy at all. And it's really hard to function at a normal capacity when You're expected to be on, you know, this one really far extreme for majority of the year. And then all of a sudden when you don't even have a fraction of that amount of work to do, it's harder to do way less work and typically easier work when you're slow as opposed to when you're really busy, you have a ton of things to do and you have hard things to do, or at least in my eyes, I just... I had, I was talking to somebody in the office yesterday. I had to go in office and I was like, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like an idiot when it's not busy season. And, um, the guy that I was sitting next to, he just kind of like laughed at me 
and was like, no, I get it. And I was like, oh my God, you do. Because it was a relief to hear somebody else. Because I had the thought to myself the night prior, like going in office. And then I was just kind of thinking about it all morning on my drive to work. And I was like, why do I feel so dumb outside of busy season? And why do I feel so, like it's so hard for me to get such simple and such small amounts of work done. And I know a lot of people in Big Four, they say that they, like when there's not an actual literal deadline and it's off season, they just put things off until the absolute last minute because there's just no pressure there. So it sounds like we all kind of like function that way. And I don't necessarily do that because I like to just get the things over with. So it's not like looming over my head because I'm the type of person that like will think about it in the evening if it's not done. You know what I mean? And that's just the way I am. So to take care of my better care of myself, I like to just go ahead and get things done so that I'm not, you know, having it in my subconscious when I'm trying to unwind in the evening. You know what I mean? So I was saying, you know, like I am working on something and it's so much easier than what we do for the actual tax return. And it's really just an estimate. So um, in big four with tax accounting, you know, you typically will do estimates um, close to year end for a lot of your clients to kind of estimate where they're at with their taxable income. And it's nowhere near as detailed as preparing a return. Some estimates can be really detailed. Some are not very detailed at all. And in particular, this one I was doing, this is one of my more complex returns that I typically do. And I'm sitting here doing this estimate and I'm using some, I mean, the PBCs, which is provided by client, prepared by client, whatever you want to call it, um, the stuff they gave us is was different than what we've used in the past for estimates. So it's not like I can just follow exactly what we did in prior year. And when that's the case, it's typically very, very simple to get through an estimate. But since this was something entirely new, I'm like sitting here looking at what they gave us and it just, I, I was like, this just seems like there's not enough going on. It almost felt too easy. And I was sitting there making it so much more complex than it needed to be. And I had to ask my manager, like, look, how detailed is it supposed to be? Is it supposed to be as detailed as they typically are? Because I'm not really seeing how that's going to be possible given like what the information we were given. And she was like, no, that's correct. And I was like, oh, thank God. But I literally sat there and I was for a long time, like when I was in the office and I was like, sitting there just like really overthinking it and making it way more complicated than it needed to be and stressing myself out over it because I was like I feel like I don't know what I'm doing because I was trying to make it more complicated than it was I was literally creating stress for myself when it didn't need to be there in the first place because it wasn't that stressful of a thing to begin with so I've just kind of learned that I function that way and I'd say a large part of that in my adult life is because of my job But I also think that I've kind of been this way for really since I've had the capacity to kind of, you know, or not have the capacity, but up until I, or when it got to the point where I had to, you know, rely on my own discipline and rely on myself to get things done. You know, when I really kind of stepped into more independence as a teenager, young adult, adult, because I can think of, you know, in like college and late high school, like in late high school when I was just taking a lot of college classes, you know, I was kind of functioning in a state of high stress all the time because it's, I was playing a varsity sport my junior year, was taking, you know, seven college classes, like, and some of them changed after, you know, the semester because of them being dual enrolled or whatever. So just a lot going on. And I always think back to my high school self. I'm like, how was I doing that much in a day? Like, it's actually insane to think about. And like, 
still like having a social life and stuff too. It's absolutely crazy. Um, I can't wrap my head around it at all. And then in college, the same thing, you know, like always, you know, balancing, you know, a ton of different tests and then being a content creator and, you know, doing all of that, you kind of have to rely on your own discipline to get things done. Otherwise, you know, nothing's going to get done because nobody's really sitting there telling you to do so once you kind of get to a certain age. But all of that being said, really long tangent aside, I have just realized that I kind of need to learn how to function and not like create stress for myself when things are not stressful and when things are slower and learn how to just exist with peace and not create stress for myself. And I feel like when I'm slower with work, when I don't have a lot going on with YouTube or whatever the case may be, I feel like I I will look for something to stress about in those times. You know, like I'll start stressing about, I'll literally like pull something out of thin air to start stressing about it, even though there's no basis for me to be doing so. You know what I mean? And it's just wild to me. I think back to kind of this time last year when work was slower and I was actually pretty slow with YouTube and content creating too, which was really weird for me at that time of year because you know q4 is typically the busiest time as a content creator and i just remember which granted i had just gotten engaged so i was kind of making myself busy with getting inspiration for wedding planning but i wasn't really making any you know big decisions or doing anything crazy with wedding planning at the time but i really just remember this time last year like starting i would literally pull things out of thin air to start stressing about and you know i I don't know why I am that way. Like I remember I started stressing about my personal taxes and I like went through and completely just went through all of my stuff related to my taxes and assembled this whole workbook of just everything I needed and more for it. And typically when people don't have anything to do, I feel like they just enjoy it. They'll sit on the couch, watch a movie. And no, I was like, you know what? I'm worried about my taxes right now. And I think a part of me does it and in a way that where it's like, oh, I'm trying to take care of my future self because I know I won't have time to do this when it's busy season at work. Um, I won't have time to like go through all of this when it's like time for me to do it. So I took care of it around Thanksgiving and Christmas time. And I think that I tell myself, oh, I'm taking care of my future self by doing all of this right now. But in hindsight, I'm like, I just couldn't sit still and I couldn't sit with myself and sit in the peace. So I'm really trying to unpack all that and really just learn how to function and exist in slower seasons and sit with peace, coexist with peace, allow peace, embrace peace with open arms, embrace slowness with open arms. And it's not something I'm proud of. Like, I feel like some people may hear this and be like, you have issues and, you know, you're just trying to like say, look at me on my high horse of I'm a super hyperproductive person. No, this is embarrassing for me to admit. Like I am thoroughly embarrassed. Like I can literally feel my cheeks flushing and my armpits getting sweaty talking about this because it's embarrassing because what person wants to admit that they live that way and they like just don't know peace and they don't know how to sit with it. Like it's very embarrassing. I don't like it. Um, And it's something that I want to just, I don't know. I, I really want to, in 2024, like learn how to be still and, you know, just kind of accept that I've lived a lot of my life in a fight or flight state. I think that it gives me this false 
you know, sense of control over the outcome of things in my life because I don't like not feeling in control and it makes me feel more safe. So I kind of just cling to fight or flight and I cling to finding stressful situations because it gives me the opportunity to control, try and control something, even if that thing I'm stressing about isn't my reality. It creates the illusion of, oh, I'm in control of this. So any moment where things are still and I'm just allowing things to be slow and I'm you know, letting myself relax, I feel like in my subconscious, I get stressed during those times because I am not thinking about what I could be in control of or I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling like I'm controlling anything in those moments, I guess is the best way to put it. I'm truly just, you know, existing and I'm not in control of something. And it's such a sad way to live and I don't want to live that way anymore. So I'm trying to accept, you know, this has been the way I've operated for a long time and I'm accepting that that was, you know, a part of who I am. It got me to where I am today. So I don't want to, you know, say to hell with it and completely unlearn it because I think it does, you know, serve its purpose at times. But to operate like this 24-7 isn't healthy. And I'm kind of getting to the point where I want to accept that that's how I've been. But also accept that, you know, I think a change needs to be made. And I need to start learning how to exist in the slowness and in the slow seasons of life and be okay with slowness and not being busy and not create chaos for myself. Because to be completely honest, I think that this is something that could really affect me in the long run. You know, like I think I could make myself genuinely sick with the amount of like stress I create for myself and I just need to, you know, slow it down. So Accepting that that was a part of me, but also accepting that something needs to change and that it's time to move forward from only knowing how to operate and fight or flight. So sorry for that really long quote situation, but I just really felt the need to share that with you all because I feel like there's probably a lot of y'all out there that maybe operate the same way and maybe you don't realize it. Maybe you have felt recently that you've been really stressed and you just feel like there's never a time where you're not stressed or you feel like you can't really let yourself rest very easily. And if that's the case, you know, maybe reflect and ask yourself if this is kind of applicable to you too. And is this something that you're, you know, willing to change and want to change? And, you know, do you accept that that's been a part of your life and you're, you know, wanting to move on from that? So I don't know, just really, um, been in my head about that lately, especially this week. Um, it's just, it's just been an interesting time, I guess. But my goal this week, I am really just wanting to do exactly what I just talked about and slow down and exist in the stillness and, you know, have peace. But I know that I have some things I need to do this upcoming week is Thanksgiving. And I hope you all have a wonderful and safe Thanksgiving holiday and I am going home to Florida. Um, I'll already be in Florida when this episode goes up on Monday. I'm leaving this weekend with my fiance and my mom. And I'm so thankful my fiance is coming with us because he didn't really know if he was going to or not until literally a few days ago, just because he didn't know if he'd have the PTO days to take. And he didn't really know if he wanted to use them if he did have them. Um, just because what she works in person, so he can't just like go home with us and work from home Monday to Wednesday because I'm taking Monday to Wednesday off so um he is coming with us and he's taking that time off so I'm really looking forward to us having some intentional time together while we're at home and really just being still with each other but I also in that I want to 
really just have this week be a really restful week because it is going to be a very stressful couple weeks when we get back with wrapping up wedding planning and everything. And I know I'm going to have a few things that I'm busy with at work for a few weeks. So I, and also with content creation, I'm so blessed and so thankful that I've had some incredible just brand deal opportunities and it's been really great. It's keeping me really busy, but I'm very thankful for them because I mean, a lot of the times it's, or all the time, really, I'd say this recently, it's been brands that I like genuinely love or I, you know, use or I believe in the message behind the purpose of me doing a brand deal with them. And all that being said, I just really want to rest this Thanksgiving week. I want to read a lot. I want to spend some time at the beach because I won't be home for Christmas for the first time this year. And I want to spend some time with family. I want to be really present. That's ultimately the goal. But also a side note, little goal. I told my fiance, I was like, I really want us to use this time since we both won't be distracted by work and other things going on because I feel like we always try to do this at the end of the day like when we're both home from work like over dinner or after dinner we'll try to talk about something wedding related and it's like we'll talk about it for like five minutes and then we just kind of don't come to a conclusion and like zone out and we finish like watching a show together or something like that and we never come to a conclusion so I really want to take this time like when we're you know undistracted maybe like go to a coffee shop while we're home and just like hash out any like open details that we need to decide together so I really want to take care of a lot of those last little details because I know I'm not really gonna have a ton of time to when we get back from Thanksgiving break and my gratitude this week with it being Thanksgiving in in spirit of Thanksgiving, I am so thankful for all of the many blessings in my life. I'm so thankful for my health and safety, the health and safety of my loved ones and my friends and my family. I'm so grateful for all of the wonderful people that I have in my life, including you all. I can't say thank you enough, and I don't say thank you enough for all of you who support me in any way, whether that's simply following one of my Instagram accounts or listening to the podcast or Whatever it is, even if you've only done it once, if this is your first time listening and you've only heard me for 22 minutes of your life thus far, I'm thankful for you regardless because I think that this has become such a constant in my life, like being a content creator, because it's been almost seven years of me doing this, which is absolutely insane to think about. And with that, it, it really has become a constant where it's like, I don't know my life without this, especially as an adult. Like, you know, I genuinely don't know what my life would be without this community and without your support because your support has allowed me to do so many things that I wouldn't otherwise be able to do. You know, like we would not have been able to buy a home last year if it wasn't for you guys. We would not have been able to, you know, do a lot of the things that we're doing for our wedding if it wasn't for you guys. And I wouldn't be able to have such an incredible connection with so many people online that really make me feel so fulfilled in terms of like, socially speaking you know I don't have a ton of in real life in person friendships I do the ones I do have I hold so near and dear to my heart but you know I feel like I am never I'm a lot less inclined to go out and meet new people because I at the end of the day I always feel like a connection with you guys from interacting with you all if that makes sense um which is kind of just like funny because it's you know online relationships but it is what it is our friendships and Um, I'm just really thankful for you all because you all have just poured into me so much and I love pouring into you guys and I can't say thank you enough for your support no matter what that has looked like even if you're just like a silent supporter I really can't say thank you enough and I each and every one of you seriously um, just mean the absolute world to me because you all have 
changed my life in so many ways and given me a platform and I'm, you know, just a, just a girl. I'm just a girl. And I'm really, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I just like get in my head and I'm like, I don't know why people care about what I have to say. I don't know why people care about what I'm doing, but I'm glad that they do because it's something I, creating content is just, it scratches this itch that I've had in me since I was a little girl. And I, I'm just addicted to it. Like I love creating content so much, even if it's content that I'm not even really in. Like if I'm, I've done a few different like little UGC related, which is like user generated content for brands. So that means I'm like making the ads for brands, but they aren't going on my channels and they're going on like the other brands channels, or maybe they don't ever make it that far, but you know, creating the content for them to have. And I even love doing that. Like just the creative aspect of recording things and getting content. It's just so much fun. And I'm so thankful that I get to do it as, you know, a job in a way, but also that you all like care about it. And yeah, but it's been 25 minutes of me chatting. So let's get into this Q and A because I did not mean to completely make y'all wait on the Q&A for 25 minutes. I don't love doing super, super long um, intros like this, but sometimes they're necessary. You know what I mean? And if and if it's going to happen, it needs to be on the Q&A episode, in my opinion. So let's go ahead and get into the questions. So the very first question I'm going to answer is, do you want to be an accountant forever? I can so see you as a professor or teacher. I know I've answered this before, but now that I've been working for two years as a CPA at a big four firm, Um, I really don't want to be an accountant forever. I have days, which I want to say this is so normal. So if you feel this way, like hopefully this makes you feel better that, you know, you're not alone. I have days and it's so funny because I feel like it's on the days that I go in office. Like something about going in office just makes me feel so much more official and like an actual employee. And I'll be like, I can so see myself staying till partner, like, and just being this girl boss but then it's like the next day I'll wake up and I'll be like, you're joking like that. I, I over my dead body. I do not want to do that. Like, no, that's not for me. I am not a fan of like climbing the corporate ladder. I don't really care for it. I, I don't know. Um, it's hard because being an accountant, it's what I'm doing right now is so niche. I work in partnership tax specifically, mainly with oil and gas companies So that's like really like not only is it tax, it's partnership tax. Not only is it partnership tax, it's oil and gas partnership tax. So it's just like super, super, super niche. And I don't love that I'm super early in my career and I've like kind of pigeonholed myself into this type of tax, but that's just kind of what inevitably happens when you go work for tax at a big four. Typically, like, you know, you kind of have to decide what area you want to go into Um, going into accounting, I thought I wanted to do individual, um, tax. So, you know, for just wealthy individuals, basically, or really any, any individuals, but typically when you're on a big four firm, it's for wealthy people. So, um, I hated that when I worked on a few individual clients, um, when I first started, I hated it so much. A lot of it was the teams I was working with, not saying I hated the teams, but I, it just wasn't a good mesh me with those people and the working styles. And I also didn't really like just the whole process of preparing an individual return as compared to a partnership return. I picked up the partnership stuff a lot more easily and more quickly. So I think I kind of told myself in my head I liked it more because it didn't feel as like 
complex and annoying. So even though it is very complex, um, I felt like I was better at figuring things out that were complex in partnership versus individual returns. And they just made more sense to me, honestly, at the end of the day. And I think it would be cool to get accounting or finance experience at more of a high level. So like a financial analyst type of position. But I think it would be really hard for me to pivot into that. Like, I think I'm more than capable of doing it. I'm saying I think it would be really hard for me to get hired as a previous tax accountant, as a financial analyst. You know what I mean? Um, And I think that it would just be cool to get that experience to see like, okay, do I not like I, I kind of know that I don't want to prepare tax returns forever, but do I want to exit accounting and finance altogether or would I like doing accounting for an like an industry instead or would I like being an analyst somewhere instead something more high level and not so specific so with you saying I can so see you as a professor or teacher professor has been like my dream since I was really you know early in college I remember telling you know one of my professors my accounting professors I just really want to be a professor one day and that was kind of like why I was getting my master's degree and that was before I knew I would be living in Texas and then little did I know which now it's not a requirement anymore of course um but at the time I was taking the CPA I had to get my master's in order to sit for the CPA in the state of Texas so I ended up having to get it anyways but when she was talking to us about whether or not you're going to stay at Alabama and get your master's or go somewhere to get your master's in accounting, I was like, look, I really want to do it because I want to be a teacher one day. And I think that it would you know, be helpful to have the master's level experience for that. Um, Cause she was saying, you know, it, it helps a lot if you do that extra year, if you do want to teach one day. So um, even as a teacher, I would love to teach too. I would love to teach like econ in high school or even math. It depends on the math. Um, I wouldn't feel great teaching like calculus, I would say, just because I haven't done it since high school. But um, same thing with like trig and pre-calc. I remember I really loved trigonometry, but I hated geometry in high school. Um, I wasn't like bad at it, but I just really hated it. Like I remember proofs. I was like, I what am I doing? Like, why am I writing in math? Like, this is so weird. Um, my brain didn't like that at a lot. But I think um, – and. All of this saying, I know I've answered all this before, but I kind of wanted to give a more detailed answer in regard to do I want to be in accounting forever? I feel like normally the question is do I um, want to be like a content creator for, or would I want to do that full time? So I wanted to kind of flip on the other end of it and answer what I want to do accounting forever. Um, and do I see myself doing that, especially now that I have a lot more experience under my belt? But ultimately, um, I don't know what I was going to say right before I said that. Ultimately, I just think that I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't want to prepare tax returns for the rest of my life. And I know that much, but I'm, I've kind of just told myself, you know, I'll be where I'm at now for as long as it makes sense for me to be. Um, you know, I don't think that it's a bad thing to just kind of stay where you are until you get a better idea of what you want to do, because, you know, you're getting experience at the end of the day and obviously getting paid. So, (laughs) um, the next question is kind of, piggybacking off of that do you think you will transition to being a content creator full-time and I wanted to answer this just because of how much the content creation and influencer industry has changed as a whole especially since probably the last time I answered this question I feel like it's a lot more common for people to do content creating full-time and it's becoming more and more accepted 
But with that being said, with there being a lot more saturation in the influencer market, I think that it's harder to make a good living off of it. I think that you can, but you have to just be very strategic with your lifestyle and with your finances because it is such a volatile industry. Like it is just so crazy to me that like being completely transparent, there may be a month where I make like four times plus my salary. Not my, oh wait, hold on. I just said that so wrong. Not my whole salary for the year. Four times plus what I make in a month from my corporate job, from being a content creator. And when that's the case, you're like, dang, like why am I wasting my time doing this other job? But then I'll go like three or four months with no money besides like the ad money from YouTube, which is not a lot. So, you know, it can go (laughs) on both extremes really easily, which is really stressful for somebody like me that's doesn't really like not being in control like I was talking about. I don't think I will ever, which I've said this before, so I don't want to stay on this question forever. I don't think I'll ever be a content creator full-time as in that is all I am doing. Um, I mean, I think it would be great if I could have that be like a primary thing. And then, you know, maybe I, I would love, I, I, I don't, this is so random. And I think that this is just part of my personality with me having like different interests all the time and everything. But I for the last like six months, I've been thinking, I'm like, I would have like loved to, I wish I would have like studied nutrition in college because I would have loved to have just been sort of like got my, um, CPT, like my certified personal trainer, like gotten certified in that had like my degree in nutrition and like whatever certifications related to that and really just be somebody to like help people, create you know fitness plans and create meal plans like for their specific lifestyle I feel like that's something that scratches an inch in my brain really well as well and also I think it's something that I have been on my own journey through to where I feel super passionate about it because I've been through the peaks and valleys of that whole experience um personally like I've been you know I've had candidly I've had horrible relationships with food and with working out in the past but I've brought it around 180 to where I just feel like I have really figured it out for myself and I'm passionate about that like you know fueling yourself and taking care of yourself so that you know you can live a long and healthy life and it's just something that I'm like so interested in but I'm like well maybe that's just something I'm interested in right now because it's something that I'm thriving in in an area of my life um I don't know but I think it would have been really cool I I really would love to like work for myself one day because I think that I do so well working from my own discipline and like on my own schedule. I just feel like I'm somebody that kind of thrives in that environment. A lot of people don't though. And a lot of people do, you know, some people really need someone there like guiding them and giving them the structure and everything. And I totally get that. But I, I could see my, I, I like if I could do even like social media for local businesses, I think that'd be so cool, but I don't feel it's funny. Cause I tell myself I'm not qualified to do that, but I'm like, okay, but I've been doing you know, that technically for seven years for myself, but it's, I know it's a completely different ballgame when it comes to like a legitimate business and, um, not just like your own personal brand. And like, I don't feel qualified in that aspect because I'm like, there are people who go to school for this and I did not. So I don't know. Um, I long answer short, I don't think I will ever just be a content creator full time. I definitely would love to, you know, always have it in my life and I would love for it to be a primary thing one day and maybe do something else like even if I 
just got some kind of certification in something and, you know, I don't know. I, I'm like literally sitting here like pulling things out of thin air, but I'm like, I actually don't see that happening. Um, but it's just like, I'm thinking about it, I guess you could say. So the next thing is how do you deal with living away from family and how did you and Griffin decide? So I haven't really answered this before because, um, I guess I've talked about it, but I haven't like answered the question of how did we decide on Houston versus, you know, anywhere else. Sorry if the volume just changed a little bit. I just like moved where I was sitting. But ultimately, I think that for us, the big thing was job opportunity. Um, Where I'm from in Florida, it's, you know, a small town and there's just like not a lot of job opportunity unless your family has a business or the industry you're going into just has a lot of opportunity. Um, which typically I'd say it's more blue collar jobs that have good opportunity and where I'm from in Florida. Like there's a lot of people that go, um, to technical school where I'm from in Florida because that's, you know, like being like an electrician and those kind of trade skills, I feel like you can do really well with, um, if you, you know, learn them, you work for somebody and then you can like open your own business with that and do really well, I feel like. Um, but if you're wanting to be like an accountant, it's, not the easiest thing in the world, um, to get a job. And it's just, you know, it's also just a very, it's a very high cost of living area. Um, especially for it being, you know, like a smaller town. And that's just me saying, oh, my hometown versus him, his hometown. But we really came to Houston, um, because of the job opportunity for both of us. And also because my older brother and sister-in-law live like an hour outside of Houston. So I'm more about an hour away from them now. And my brother and I were really close growing up. Like we definitely had times where we like totally butted heads and did not get along at all. But I feel like that's very normal for brothers and sisters, especially when you're in like middle school. That's how it was for us. I feel like middle school, we were always like fighting and like late elementary school. But then high school, we like really, you know, he was became like a mentor to me in a way. And I learned so much from him, from him having to learn, you know, the whole college application process and the process of what classes to take in high school and all that kind of stuff. And also just like, you know, how to, I don't know, just be a good person and get things done and stuff like that. I learned so much from him. So I didn't want to be like super far from him growing up and I wasn't close to the really any of my cousins growing up. I was relatively close to like my mom's sister's son and um, like we saw them, you know, every year for a while, but never so close as I see some people as some people are with their like cousins and like aunts and uncles and everything. And that's mainly just because of distance. But I knew that ideally speaking like I want my children one day to like be really close with their cousins and like have a friendship in that in a way because I feel like that's something that I kind of lacked growing up but like I said it was because of either age difference or distance so um anyways back to the question with how we decided like I said just job opportunity and then it kind of just made sense once once my brother had already moved here and it's nice being close to some family even though it's not my parents immediate parents like it's his family and it's been so nice being close to them because now we live like we actually live really really close to his my fiance's parents and it's been such a blessing during the season of life with being engaged to be really close to them and just during this really busy season of my life because we can very easily like go eat dinner with them at their house if I'm literally if you know my fiance like doesn't get home from work until later and then I'm really busy and we're like okay it's gonna be like nine o'clock before we even eat dinner by the time somebody makes it we're able to just go eat dinner with them and I'm like really thankful for that but ultimately we weren't necessarily like oh it's Houston or Florida or nowhere I just think that it's kind of 
the way things fell into place. It wasn't really like a discussion we had. Like we never sat there and said, where are we going to move? I felt like it was just kind of generally understood that we would be going back to Houston. And I think it's funny because we didn't even like try to like go anywhere else. But I think that like my, we're both like totally open to living anywhere, honestly. Like we're not sold on Houston for the rest of our lives, but we love it here. Like we, we really do love it here. And I genuinely do love it here. I miss home a lot. I would love to move back to home one day. I don't think it's any day soon, but I could see, you know, 10-ish years down the road, maybe moving back. Just when I get older, because I just really miss the pace of life in Florida, living in a big city or adjacent to a big city. You kind of just always feel the need to hustle and go, go, go. And I really feel like in Florida, like everything is just so much slower. And I appreciate that. And I love that. Like I was talking about at the beginning of this episode, I feel like I kind of know how to be still a little bit better in Florida than I do here in Texas. But how I deal with living away from family, honestly, I don't deal with it the best way because I just feel like anytime I, ha- I take time off or I have vacation, I just go back home to see family. And you don't have to do that if that's, you know, where the situation you're in. You know, if you really miss your family and you live far from them, it's not like you have to take anytime you have vacation time, you don't have to go visit them. But that's just kind of what I do. And I do it so that I can see my family, but also because I just, I do love the setting of where I'm from with it being like, literally the most beautiful beach in the United States to me. (laughs) So I'm just like, of course I want to go there when, you know, I have time off. So that's kind of how I deal with it. I just try and plan trips home. And like when I, I always try to have a trip home to see my parents or have a time for them to come visit us to look forward to. And I think that that helps. It's definitely a lot harder when I don't really know the next time I'm going to see them. Like that's always really hard saying goodbye when we don't know the next time we're going to see each other. But thankfully, like the last year or two, it's been like a constant like, oh, we're going to see you at this time. And that's been really nice. But the times where we're like, oh, we don't really know when we're going to see you again. That's when it's really hard. So I always like to have a time plan for them, my family to come visit me or for me to go visit them. And I think that that helps a lot. And the next question is, how to accept your body as it changes and love yourself. I think that this is so hard because it's something that you truly have to, like it is It is up to you. You know, I can sit here and give you advice at the end of the day, but it's something that you have to be committed to. You have to be committed to loving yourself and your body through all seasons and all phases of life. I think the biggest thing to remember is, you know, don't put this expectation and the standard on yourself that you're not gonna change that like your body is supposed to be one way forever like that's so unrealistic we don't expect anything to be that way we don't that's like expecting yourself not to age you know what I mean like it's inevitable like your body's gonna change with time like your body's gonna change through different seasons of life just like you're gonna age as you get older it is inevitable and I think once you can like swallow that pill that you know okay I need to let go of this expectation that I'm going to, you know, stay the way I looked when I was 16 or 18 or however old in your mind forever, because that's not realistic. Like you're literally putting a standard on yourself that is impossible to achieve. And you're going to continuously be upset with yourself and continuously feel like you're letting yourself down if that's how you are, you know, viewing your body and just like your relationship with your body. But the second you can just accept, you know, like my body's going to change as I age. And as long as I am, you know, taking care of my health at the end, like this is my perspective. For me, 
I know how much I prioritize being in good health and I prioritize it for a number of reasons, but I especially do it just so that I can be the best friend, the best spouse eventually, the best family member, the best parent one day, the best sibling I can be. Because I know that, you know, if I'm not taking care of my health, I can't show up for myself. I can't show up for other people the way that I want to. And that's why it's so important for me to really just focus on accepting my body instead of like trying to, you know, change it for the wrong reasons. Like accepting that, you know, okay, through a busy season of life or one day, you know, when I'm pregnant, like I'm just going, like my body is serving a different purpose in that time. You know what I mean? And there are going to be times in life where you just feel so worn down and you feel like you really can't get as much movement in as you once did. And it's like, you know, at this point, my body's purpose is really just to get through the day because I'm so busy and get movement in when I can. But maybe you have a slower season of life where you're able to exercise a lot. And in that season, you know, you can really prioritize your wellness a lot more and your health. And for me, I just really think it's important to love yourself unconditionally, but also love yourself enough to make changes when you know that what you're currently doing and like the way you're living your life isn't in alignment with your values at the end of the day and isn't in alignment with who you want to be. You know, loving yourself unconditionally isn't saying, you know, like, oh, I'm gonna like not do anything when my health starts to suffer. Like, no, if you love yourself, you're going to want to get your health back on track. I just think at the end of the day, it's just so important to be very in tune and understanding of where your values are at, the why behind why you're like taking care of yourself and what you're doing. And I think that once you like really become aligned with your why behind, you know, maintaining your health and your relationship with yourself. When I say your health, that is all encompassing of mental, physical, relationship with self, relationship with others. I kind of view health holistically in that sense. I don't view it as, oh, just what I'm eating or, oh, just me moving my body. I know that I was just using those things as examples, but ultimately it's an all-encompassing thing because your overall health is impacted by all of those things. And I think once you become an alignment of your why behind being, you know, a healthy version of yourself, you can really accept yourself and love yourself unconditionally, but also have the heart to make changes when you know that you need to make changes because you're straying from that alignment with your goals at the end of the day for your health. You know, for me, like I said, I really prioritize movement and getting proper nutrition because those things are what give me the energy and what I feel like is ultimately going to give me, you know, the ability to take care of myself, take care of my family as I get older and the more I take care of those things, the more confident I feel that I am my best self when I'm, you know, with my spouse, when I'm with future spouse. I, I keep saying that um, just because I'm thinking long term right now. So like with my spouse in the future and with my family in the future, you know, taking care of my kids, being able to, you know, have the energy to play with them, to nurture them, to help them in whatever way I can and really viewing my my body as a vessel for doing those things inspires me to take care of it better. And 
in taking care of it, you find more love for it, if that makes sense in my in my experience. Like the more I have taken care of my overall health when it comes to the mental, when it comes to the physical, when it comes to the emotional, when I started going to therapy, when I started working out more consistently, when I started, you know, just being more overall mindful of the things I'm doing and how they impact my mental health, when I really started prioritizing those things, the love I have for myself just multiplied and the love I have for my body just multiplied because I really saw that, you know, we really just have like this one experience on earth, this one life on earth. And I really think that, you know, it's life is too short to be obsessing over what you look like in the mirror or whether or not you fit in the same jeans you wore when you were 15. You know what I mean? Like it's just too short to be worried about those things. So if you can shift your mindset to focus on, you know, who do I like what is my ultimate why behind maintaining my health, meaning mental, physical, emotional? What is my why behind that? And like, what can I do to align with that best? And as you kind of identify that and align with it and make decisions to get you to that point, you're really just going to fall in love with the ability abilities that your body has and the abilities that your mind has. And you're just going to really want to more of that in your life, really. So I know that that was a very roundabout answer and it kind of covered a lot of different bases, but I feel like I view things from so much more of a holistic perspective when I used to just be so focused on what I looked like, what my workouts looked like. And now I just really feel like I don't think about that. And I'm more so just thinking about, I am doing this for, for myself at the end of the day. And I'm doing this so that I can be, you know, the best version of myself for all these different people, including myself because I want to be that best version of myself in order to, you know, take care of me, to take care of the people around me, to pour into my relationships, friendships, and everything like that, because without doing those things, I can't. Um, The next question is, what is your favorite author? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't think I have a favorite. I I have like favorites. I don't want to think I could say, say you're insane, this person, hands down. Taylor Jenkins Reid comes to mind just because I have loved every single book I've read by her, and I've read almost all of her books, I feel like, so... Seven Husbands, Malibu Rising, um, Carrie Soto is back, Daisy Jones and the Six, One True Loves. Um, I might be forgetting one. I think that actually might be all that I've read. And I know she has other books and, you know, maybe I need to read them too. But all of her books for me have been like four stars plus and I'd even go as far to say like 4.3 stars plus. Um, So I really love her. I just feel like she is a very... She's a very strong author. I really love her writing style. I eat up everything she writes. I also love Sarah J. Mass. I just feel like her storytelling capabilities are immaculate and she just really knocks it out of the park. And those are probably my top two favorite. Um, I would say I'm not really a big Emily Henry girl. I really like um, Happy Place and Book Lovers. But outside of that, like I only read People We Meet on Vacation and that was kind of like a mid book to me. So um, I feel like maybe if I would have read her books in publishing order, I maybe would have liked them more because I've heard that like the little eggs, Easter eggs she like lays throughout the books from tying characters from some books to others, kind of like how Taylor Jenkins Reid does is really well, or Emily Henry does that really well from what I've heard. So those are my favorite authors. Um, my good friend Jenna, which shout out to Jenna. Um, I say good friend. We've never met in real life, but she's an internet friend to me. She's like 
the only person I swear that I watch religiously on YouTube right now. I go through phases where I like watch YouTube and when I don't and I'm I've been a little busy and haven't been able to watch a lot lately but when I'm like playing a video when I'm folding laundry or cooking dinner it's always Jenna. Um, Jenna Hong by the way if anybody wants to check out her channel. She is I just love her content. She's also she's very similar to me like her content is and she lives in Arlington I think in Virginia and I'm like sitting here just like spelling about her instead of answering her question but um she makes you know videos vlogs of her life with working a full-time job she works in an accounting firm as well and um she's been working a little bit longer than I have and she like works from home but she as always I think her what is it called work to live diaries is like what she calls like her kind of series on her youtube of her vlogs so Definitely check her out if you're looking for somebody to watch on YouTube or follow on Instagram. But she said, what's your favorite way to rest lately? And I love this question, especially as I'm entering my learning how to slow down and be still era. Um, I really, actually, I don't want to call it an era because I want it to be a lifelong thing. But learning how to do that in general, I'm just saying era for the catchiness of it. But my favorite way to rest lately has truly just been lighting a candle and it's one of two things reading on the couch or watching Gilmore Girls truly two of my favorite ways to rest I am typically a pretty active rester like I would say that in the past like I would say like oh going on a walk or like going and it like going to like different coffee shops like feels restful to me and like that's something that I love to do too but I really love reading in the fall and winter, especially, especially my fantasy books. And I'm reading the Throne of Glass series right now, as y'all know, and I'm on Assassin's Blade, but I haven't really been able to read in like a week because life's just been really busy. But I, it's so funny. I'm not somebody that typically like sits on their couch often. And now that my Christmas tree is up, I'm like, I want to spend as much time as I can in the living room because it's just so cozy. Like I'm recording this in the living room right now and I, just because the Christmas tree is up and it's like a gloomy day. So I was like, it's a vibe to record the podcast in the living room because I typically don't. I typically just do it at my desk, like where I usually work just because it's, you know, a comfortable seating position. Like I'm literally sitting on the floor doing this right now and I'm sitting like a little crushed up pretzel, but I absolutely love reading during this time of year and I just find it really restful mentally. And I think that that's the big thing for me lately, right? Because I feel like so much of my mental space is often occupied with work and with wedding planning related things. So I really like doing things that like kind of pluck my brain out of my head for some time and then when I finish doing that activity, I just pluck my brain right back into my head. That's what it feels like reading to me. I literally feel like I just like my brain gets removed from my head and then the book is placed in my head for the time being. And then I just stick my brain back on when it's time to do so. That's literally what reading feels like to me. And that's why I love it so much because it really, you know, disconnects me from my reality and plugs me into a whole other world where, you know, I am only focused and I'm only able to pay attention to that one thing in that moment because I feel like so much of the rest of my life is just like multitasking and trying to be as efficient as possible and get as much done as possible, which Jenna, I know you understand with being a YouTuber, content creator and working a full-time job, it feels like you're constantly being strong in all these different directions. So your head is always running through all these to-dos and like trying to wonder what you could squeeze in this 30-minute window of free time that you have or that kind of thing. And that gets really, it's a really exhausting way to live because you're always looking for getting, always looking to get something done basically. And, you know, that's why I love reading so much because I'm just so focused in the moment on that and that only. And I'm not sitting there trying to 
think about what I'm going to do next or think about what I need to do on my to-do list. And watching Gilmore Girls, I love just because um, I just recently started it, but I actually haven't watched it in probably like two or three weeks. But I have a feeling I'll probably be watching a lot of it when I go home for Thanksgiving um, just because I tend to like watch more movies and TVs, TV shows when I go home. And my mom has like seen all of Gilmore Girls, so I think she'll enjoy like rewatching it with me. But um, I really like watching it just because it's like a really cozy, feel-good show. It's like very healing for my inner teenager to like watch another teenager go through like all the awkwardness of your first crush and like everything like that and it's just like so cute and I love it so that's been my favorite way to rest and she also asked what is your top tier weekday dinner you would make it every week if you could I am going to answer this very truthfully and that is gathered nutrition's white chicken chili there are several uh, episodes there are several recipes that came to mind when I read this question, but the top thing that like really stu- stood out to me was Gathered Nutrition's white chicken chili, just because it is that recipe that I like, I, I know the recipe by heart now because I've made it so many times. And I've just, it's the one recipe that I truly feel like I have made and then made more than once. Cause I feel like a lot of times I'll try recipes, but then I don't ever really make them again. You know what I mean? And especially when it's like a recipe that I went and searched out myself Outside of like my meal prep lunch recipes, when it comes to dinner recipes, I feel like a lot of them are just really time consuming or really complex and just require a lot more energy than I have to give to making dinner at the end of the day. And the white chicken chili is just so easy because you just throw it all in the Instant Pot or Crock Pot. And, you know, it. I, I love when I'm not having to like stand over a pan and like wait on something to cook, you know what I mean? And I'm able to just like let it do its thing. So... I really love that recipe and it's just like a really cozy, hearty, actually I don't even want to say it's hearty because it's not like heavy, which I really love, but I feel like you can make it heavier if you wanted to. Like you can probably like throw some potatoes in it to make it, you know, add some more carbs to it, but it's it's actually like a pretty healthy soup, but it's like so, I just feel like it really like checks the boxes with the nutritional value too like I always feel so good after I eat it you know when you eat soup sometimes they just make you feel almost like just bleh afterwards like you just feel too full or you just don't really feel like you got enough I always feel like when I eat the white chicken chili that like all of my boxes were checked for my nutritional value that I'm trying to get at the end of the day so I really like that one the next question is getting over paralyzing perfectionism in college Oh my gosh, sending you so much love because that is truly something that I wish I would have worked through sooner um, because I feel like it's something that I'm having to work through now or have been working through since I started therapy. And I truly think that the best thing for you to do is to go to a therapist if you can, because I'm not a therapist, but that has been what has helped me the most with my perfectionism is going to therapy and like undo not I yeah I guess kind of undoing that way of thinking like accepting that okay this is kind of how I functioned for a long time and it's just not going to be like the what we prioritize anymore and I just really think that perfectionism is addicting because it gives you that illusion of control and I think that figuring out like the root of your perfectionism is really important in unpacking it and kind of getting over it as you said like for me I kind of realized my perfectionism was really developed when I was just at a very young and impressionable age 
when I did competitive gymnastics. I feel like it kind of made me a perfectionist in all areas of my life because the nature of gymnastics is, you know, striving for that, you know, perfect 10 score. And for, for time being, like, depending on what level you're in and everything and all that, how the scoring goes and everything, it's different. But, you know, for when I was doing it and the levels I was in, it was like perfect 10 was like the goal. And like you would, if you messed up on, like when it was competition season, you would do like, I remember it would be like three in a row, like beam routines with no wobbles, no falls, or you'd have to do like seven. And if you got through the three with no wobbles, no falls, you were fine. If you had a wobble or had a fall on beam, you'd have to do seven. So it really just creates this like, the sport itself just creates this like really insane level of discipline and kind of just instills perfectionism in you. And I think that the age I was doing it was like probably one of my more just impressionable times. Like I said, like I was, you know, when I really got into it competitively, I was like, what, 9, 10, 11, 12 or 10, 11, 12, 13 I think nine to 12 are like my core years of like really being like heavy in it. And that's like a very impressionable time. I feel like those preteen and like that, you know, those later elementary years and like early middle school, it's like that is a very impressionable time. And with all of that being said, I realized, you know, that was kind of when it started and also just started when I kind of felt like it was how I validated myself as a child. Like I felt like I you know, always needed to be striving for perfection. Like I would, you know, get so upset if I didn't get a good grade on something and I just didn't have any self-worth outside of my achievements basically. And, you know, for me when I was in therapy, getting over perfectionism, it looked like doing a values assessment, which I know I've talked about on the podcast so many times. So I highly recommend doing that if you haven't already. And, when I did my values assessment, I had, and I've talked about this, I had this whole revelation of, oh my gosh, I have been prioritizing achievement as one of my values, but it's not actually one of my core values. You know, like it's not something that I truly value as a person. Like I I think it's important, but it's not something that I like necessarily need to live my life by, but I was doing it for the look it had to others. So then, you know, when I identified my actual core values, which were things, you know, like health, self-acceptance, um, I can't even think of all of them right now, which is sad, but I haven't looked at it in a while because um, we've kind of like moved past that part in therapy. But things like that, um, safety is one of them, um, that kind of thing. Once I identified my actual core values, I was able to, you know, take a step back and say, you know, like, oh, this isn't, achievement isn't something that, I find a ton of value in and it's performative, you know, like I was doing it for so long because that's how I derived my self-worth. And at the end of the day, you just really, I don't know what your perfectionism is mainly tied to. I am assuming it is your grades and like what your resume looks like. But the earlier you can understand and accept that perfectionism is unattainable at the end of the day you know like it is not something like yes it's I just feel like it was instilled in us in us when we were younger to strive for it and yes I think striving for it's great but I think that some personalities don't know how to differentiate between striving for and setting that as the standard like some people can just strive for perfectionism and have that be like what they go after and understand that it's not really something that they'll ever reach but it's a good motivator for them but I think people like myself who 
hear that, they kind of take it to heart and say like, oh, that's like what I have to do all the time. And it usually comes at the expense of yourself. So you're going to run yourself into the ground eventually, whether it's, you know, during your time in college or in your job. And I'd say it's really good to kind of unpack all of this while you're in college rather than while you're, you know, working your first job, because that's how it happened for me. And it has led to like just so much extra stress on top of the stress that comes with becoming a post-grad adult and starting a new job for the first time and everything. It's just come with so much extra stress and extra work having to unpack all of that while I'm, you know, a post-grad adult. If you can unpack it in college, you'll be a lot better off starting a new job because you'll be a lot more accepting of the mistakes that you're inevitably going to make as a new employee somewhere. And you just have to understand that, you know, you are not going to reach perfectionism. So it is unrealistic for you to set that standard for yourself. Same thing like I was saying with like accepting your body earlier, like through all seasons and all phases and loving yourself unconditionally. You have to let go of those unrealistic standards of perfectionism because it's something that you're never going to reach. And if the longer you keep that as a standard in your life and kind of having that as your, you know, okay, this is like what I'm going after and what I'm trying to get, it is an endless race and you're just going to wear yourself down because, and you're just going to really disappoint yourself over and over and over again every time you reach for it and it slips out of your grasp because you're never going to actually get it. And you have to just accept that. And it's so, it became easier for me to accept when I became like a really small fish in a ginormous pond at my job, like being this really tiny little employee in this, you know, huge company. It made me like, just really realize, you know, like, okay, I'm not going to be the best here and I'm not going to be perfect. And there are so many people here who are smarter than me, who work harder than me and all these things. And you just kind of have to accept that, you know, as long as you're giving your best at the end of the day and your best is going to look different every day, your best is not going to be a consistent, you know, across the board thing that looks the exact same every day. Your, your best on a Monday is going to look different from your best on a Friday. And depending on like what you're going through in that season of your life, your best is truly going to look different every day. So as long as you're showing up and putting your best foot forward every day, whatever that looks like, you know, I think that is a much healthier standard to live off of. So if you can kind of unpack the perfectionism first, you know, see where it comes from, reassess your values, and then kind of try to start adopting the mindset of what is my, like asking yourself, what does my best look like today? And then striving for that instead of the perfectionism, because it is like seriously crippling and it's going to just wear you down into the ground. So I don't want you to do that but it's good that you recognize it now because then you can you know take care of it now and move forward the next question is have you oh wait sorry i just read the wrong thing do you and g have a honeymoon planned we do i did have a few questions about our honeymoon we are going to costa rica and i'm so excited we were originally going to go to hawaii but the place we were going to go in hawaii was really close to where all of the fires happened and the time of when we were like we need to be booking our honeymoon right now or we're not going to have anywhere to stay no matter where we go that time was literally like the week before the fires happened and then the fires happened and we were like uh we don't really feel like we should go there just because we're like you know people are going to be displaced probably for a little while because it was literally two miles away like we found a bed and breakfast that we absolutely like we're just head over heels with and we were like "Well, we'll just stay there and then when we realized it was like two miles away from where the fires happened we were like, yeah, people are probably going to be displaced at this bed and breakfast and we would rather them, you know, have that place to stay over us going on our honeymoon there. And Hawaii is still like absolutely on our bucket list. We want to go so badly. Both of us have never been. Um, 
But with all that being said, we just decided Costa Rica was a lot closer, a lot easier to get to because it's a nonstop direct flight um, from Houston. It's like three or three and a half hours. And that's amazing. You know, it's a lot shorter and a lot easier of a trip than Hawaii. And it's similar in the aspect of we have the beach and we have the mountains. So we're really looking forward to it. Um, I'm really, really excited. I think it's going to be very relaxing, but also very fun because we're kind of doing two different vibes based on we're staying in two different places, kind of splitting the honeymoon up into like a front half and a back half. And the front half, I feel like it's going to be very relaxing and just restorative. And then the back half is going to be maybe a little bit more fun and just like getting adventurous and that kind of thing. And even the beginning will be adventurous too, but um, I'm really excited. And the next question is, are you still in therapy? Yes, I am. I definitely don't go as, well, I've, the last two times I've gone, it's been every two weeks. But before that, I like went like two months without going one time. And then, but that's just like the busyness of life. And I'm not somebody that thinks that you need to go, you know, like you don't, you may not necessarily need to go on a regular schedule. There may be times in your life where you need to go like, regularly like I was going every other week when I started and I did that for about a year and then after a year it like got to a point where I felt like I had enough tools in my toolbox in a way from what I had learned in therapy so far to work through a lot of the things that were really paining my existence every day um that I once I had those like tools in my toolbox I was able to be like you know what okay I'm good to you know move forward and I can like really learn how to do things myself and everything but then you know, sometimes things happen. You're like, okay, I need to go back or I haven't been in a while or something else has come up that I'm like thinking about a lot and I need to talk through it, that kind of thing. Um, so I kind of just go every, I try to do every two weeks, but I feel like lately it's beside the last two times, it's been like once a month, I feel like just because of the timing. And the next question is kind of off of one earlier. If your fiance's family wasn't in Texas, do you think you still would have ended up there? Um, that's a good question. It's hard for me to say just because I kind of realized I wanted to kind of be somewhere in Texas once my brother moved here. And my brother moved here literally the summer or no, my brother moved here really soon after the summer I did an internship in Houston. So which at that point, Griffin and I had only been dating for like a year when my brother had moved to Houston. So it was very like, the timing of it, I was kind of like, okay, I kind of want to be what somewhere in Texas where I'm somewhat close to my brother, even if it's not Houston, when I knew that he was coming here. Um, and not to like follow him, but just like I said, to be like somewhat close and also knowing the job opportunity in Texas. Like I definitely knew at that time, like, okay, if I'm wanting, if I'm going into finance and accounting, like I can go any of the big cities in Texas and, you know, be fine. So I kind of knew that. And also I had to, when I was a sophomore in college and I was doing these interviews for my internships and everything, they don't like when you don't have a location chosen for post-grad, which is really hard. Cause like, it's like, first y'all made me decide what I'm doing for the rest of my life at 18. And now you're wanting me to decide where I'm going to live out of straight out of college before I'm even like halfway done with school. Like that's a little crazy if you ask me, but they really I like we were told in our classes you know you need to have a location even if you like start out there and end up moving or you change it later on like before you even start full-time you need to kind of have a location narrowed down and like chosen for them because they don't like you would think that saying oh I'm open to going anywhere is kind of being flexible with a company and maybe in some instances but for big four because there's locations everywhere, they want you to choose somewhere because obviously 
the different offices have different needs and different staffing needs and everything. So it's like, if you don't say where you're going, you know, you can't really know like whether or not like they're going to have a spot for you, I guess, in that city, especially in like smaller offices and everything. So I kind of knew I had to decide on somewhere when I was a sophomore. Um, so at that point I was like, okay, like, you know, Griff and I have been together for like a year. Um, and I definitely, you know, see us like the way I am with dating. I'm like, you know, I, I'm not going to waste my time with you if, I don't see a future with you. So I kind of like figured that was like what I would be doing would be going to Houston if we stayed together and everything. And um, with that being said, you know, then once my brother moved here, it was kind of just like a no brainer. So that's kind of like where I was at. And the next question is, do you feel ready for the wedding? And I'm going to end off with this because I just realized it's been an hour and 15 minutes. Yes and no. I mentioned in a vlog recently that the last time I was went to therapy, I worked on cope ahead with my therapist, which is basically when you know something is going to happen that's going to be hard for you to deal with. So you like create strategies to cope with it ahead of time, which like this is not, this is something that's like so niche. I feel like this is probably only something that, you know, you would need to utilize in like very specific situations because I feel like most of the time, when we're trying to cope with something, it's something that we didn't see coming. You know, it's like we're suffering with the loss of a friend, family member, pet, something like that, or we're dealing with something really hard that we just didn't see coming, a breakup, you know, something like that. So a lot of the times, cope ahead's not necessarily a strategy that you would be implementing because you don't really know what's coming. But if you know something is coming and you know it's going to be hard for you to get through, cope ahead is really great because you can put these tools in your toolbox to use when the time comes. So my issue was, I was telling my therapist, I was like, look, I, I know myself. I have very high highs and very low lows. I like spiraled into a situational depression after my brother's wedding um, because I, it was such, it was thus far one of the happiest days of my life, like top three, top five when they got married because like, I it's just so special. Like it was the first like, time and you know I only have one brother so it's like him getting married was you know a big deal and he was obviously the first of us to get married and everything but it was so special because all of our family was in one place and that literally never and I say all of our family there were people who couldn't come but majority of my family was in one place on both sides and that never ever 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 happens so it was just so special for everybody to be in one place and to celebrate their love it was just this high that was so high and I was just so happy for them, just absolutely over the moon. And then I went back to Dallas because that's where I was that summer. And I was like literally bedridden all week. Like I literally could not get myself out of bed. I was crying every single day. And it was just like that crash of like, I'm so happy and over the moon for them and just all of these happy things. And then like when I returned to my reality, it was just a really hard come down. So that come down experience of going from a really high high to a really low low, I don't do very well with. And I was telling my therapist, I was like, look, I already know that I'm going to probably suffer immensely emotionally when the wedding is over. I think that I'm going to probably struggle a little bit. I was like, maybe not right after the wedding. I probably will have a little bit of an episode the day after the wedding. I'm going to go ahead and say that. I don't want to speak it into existence per se, but like, I think that I will probably have a little bit of a cry just because I'm going to be like, wow, that day's over and it's just going to be emotionally overwhelming. But I think that it's really going to hit me when we come back from our honeymoon because I'm going to be like, okay, now it's really over and now I'm back to like my reality because 
it, that is going to be a really, really, really high high. And coming back to my reality of, you know, like working a job I don't really love and like, you know, that kind of thing. It's just like, okay, this is a really fast, hard come down, especially jumping straight in the busy season. It's kind of like, oh my God, um, this is terrible. So with all that being said, I wanted to come up with strategies to help myself cope um, ahead of time. And my therapist was like, I know that you're you know, somebody that she was like, with the situation, do you think it's going to be more beneficial for you to kind of keep yourself busy and let yourself be sad, like, you know, and experience those feelings and everything while you're keeping yourself busy? Or do you really want to like sit in it? And I said, I really don't want to sit in it because I think I'm going to have a hard time pulling myself out of it if I just let myself sit with it for too long. And she was like, okay, well, you know, if you feel the need to, you know, be upset about it and cry and everything, like let yourself do so. But you she was like I think if you have some sort of like post-wedding to-do list where you can you know put your energy into those other things it'll help you work through those immediate days after the you know wedding honeymoon whatever to get yourself to transition yourself back to reality because if I just like sulk I'm not going to be transitioning I'm going to be like jumping from the wedding reality to my real life reality and not really giving myself a transition but she was like if you you know give yourself time to you know put on your to-do list you know for writing your thank you notes breaking down your christmas decorations and putting them up and you know all of these things and i have like a screenshot of like all the things we came up with but i can't think of them right now off the top of my head but we really just went through all of those things because we were like that is so helpful for me because i will doing those things i will be able to be unemotional like i can cry while i'm like writing my thank you notes or putting away our registry gifts and like getting those things set up. But I'm getting things done in the process and doing those things will help me transition back to my reality instead of just like sitting in bed and like sobbing. You know what I mean? Um, so with all that being said, I, this is like such a tangent from do I feel ready for the wedding? I am really like, I don't know. I was saying this yesterday to somebody at work. I was like, I feel really like I feel like now the stress is turning into more excitement because it's a lot closer so it's like I can really visualize and like feel things kind of starting to come to fruition whereas before it was like I'm just spending tons of money and putting all this time and stress and energy into something that I can't even it doesn't even feel tangible at this point but now it's starting to feel more tangible and like real and like it's gonna happen so I'm like oh my gosh I'm so excited and getting excited for it and um but at the same time I don't want the day to be over because I'm nervous for the come down and I'm trying to look at it through the lens and perspective of you know it's not the end like the wedding day being over is not like the end of everything you know like it's the beginning of a new life together and us getting to you know start a new chapter together and like thinking of it that way is a lot more helpful than it being like oh this one day that I only get once in my life is done and it's you know I'm not gonna have it again I think I'm just more so like having all my friends and family in one place is just means a lot to me especially as somebody who has friends and family that are spread out everywhere that means the absolute world to me so knowing that that's not really gonna happen again on that level with like all of my people is hard um just because it's never really that way so I think that um I am anxiously anticipating the arrival and I'm excited for it but at the same time I am like I don't really want it to get here yet because I don't want it to be over if that makes sense and as far as feeling ready in terms of like things being done we finally like got a cake um person we went to a tasting a few days ago a second tasting because our first one we weren't like 
obsessed with the whole way it went and everything. So I think that we're in a good spot with that. Like that was our last main vendor. Like she was like, you're really cutting it close with the cake here. Hopefully you don't have any other vendors. I was like, no, you're the last one. <laughs> um, so she is like the last, she was the last main thing that we needed to get done. And now it's just ironing out all those details, getting like the seating chart made. Our RSVP deadline was yesterday. So we need to reach out to the people who have not RSVP'd yet and, you know, figure their stuff out, then get the seating chart made, get the menus made and printed. Um, the table numbers are something that we need to do. Um, and then any like other little like decor items. I feel like I'm like forgetting a lot of things because I, I feel like there should be a lot more left than just that. Um, any day of like bridesmaid gifts that I want to get, like I need to get those things taken care of. Um, but I've got a lot of the other stuff ready. So I'm feeling ready and excited. I'm just a little bit nervous about my mental health and balancing everything in December, like leading up to it. So that's kind of where I'm at. But I am planning on taking a week off the week before Christmas and then we're off the whole week of Christmas. So I think that having those two weeks of like no full-time job, is going to be really helpful. Even if the first two front end weeks of December are like crazy. So I'm really looking forward to that. But thank you all so much for listening to this really long episode. Um, I, I am sorry because I, I know that some of these questions I have answered before, but I had a little bit different of an answer or things to add, I feel like this time around. So Hopefully that was okay with y'all, but I kind of just wanted to sit and chat with you guys and give you all any advice I could and just share um, where I'm at with a lot of things in life. But I hope you all enjoyed this Q&A and be sure to follow In Bloom Podcast on Instagram. It's just at In Bloom Podcast. Always in the show notes and follow me on Instagram as well if you want to. And I post new YouTube videos every week as well if you're into video content and leave a review for the podcast too because it helps um, us out a lot. And I hope you all have a really great and safe Thanksgiving holiday if you're celebrating. And I really am just so thankful for all of you and I can't say it enough. So thank you so much for being a supporter of the show and a supporter of me as well. Um, I love you all and thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you all next week.